So we're going to do something a little bit different in this video. We're going to talk about a research paper, which I've printed off here for various reasons we'll talk about in a minute. Um, one, because my memory's just not that good to learn bits of it. Uh, but also there are a few things I want to point out quite specifically within it. So this paper talks about rheumatic symptoms following coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19, as we've come to know it, um, a chronic post-COVID-19 condition. So we know by now I'm interested in rheumatology. And as soon as I see the word rheumatic, that gets me a little bit interested in what's going on. COVID-19, obviously really important um, thing that's been happening over the last two years, three years. Don't know if you've noticed um, it's caused a few problems. Um, and least of all, people saying that they might be seeing more rheumatology patients than maybe they saw before. And I can't put that down all to them attending my courses and thinking that they're rather better at recognising rheumatology conditions than they were before. But I'll take a little bit of that credit. So first thing I'm going to do is actually just read the conclusion um, of this study. And um, then what I want to go on to do is just point a few interesting things out that are housed within the paper itself. And we're going to have a stab at what I think might be relevant for us in MSK practice. So their conclusion here was their investigation showed a considerable portion of rheumatic symptoms following COVID-19 in discharged patients, which highlights the need for continuing attention. Notably, rheumatic symptoms following COVID-19 were independent of the severity of illness and corticosteroid treatment during the acute phase. So a couple of things I want to point out here before we get going about the study design. This was a prospective study, which is one of the reasons that I've picked it up um, to talk about in that I haven't seen many of those at all in this space. Um, a lot of retro retrospective stuff, but they um, what they did was basically people who were being discharged from hospital after COVID-19. They then followed them for a year and then gave them a, uh, an interview and asked them what new joint symptoms had occurred over the last 12 months. And then they compared that. They did exactly the same thing for people that they sort of defined as in the community, but hadn't been discharged for having COVID-19 symptoms. Um, so that's how they generated their um, their information and their, their therefore their conclusions that they drew from that. Um, so a couple of things I do just want to point out uh, with regards to limitations to a degree. Um, this was in China and it was also held just at one hospital. Now having said that they did have quite a large number of patients they included over 1100 in both groups so 1100 in the COVID-19 group and 1100 in the non-COVID-19 group so there was quite a few patients but obviously we've got to be careful with how we extrapolate the data. So the first thing I find really interesting is the definition of rheumatic. They've gone with a really broad brush um, description here of what rheumatic is. I was thinking when I picked up the rheumatic paper or every time I see that I'm thinking okay this is new onset rheumatoid arthritis or new onset rheumatology disease, um, axial spinal arthritis, reactive arthritis, lupus, connective tissue disorders, so on and so forth. But actually it was far broader than that and as such it comes to some slightly different conclusions as we'll explore in a minute. So they defined the rheumatic symptoms following COVID-19 as self-reported newly occurring joint symptoms, including joint pain and or joint swelling. So really quite broad. So any new joint pains plus or minus joint swelling. So obviously that includes a huge wide range of things that could cause that. 
So one of the things they noted is that in the COVID-19 discharge patients, there was a significantly higher report of these rheumatic symptoms. So remember, that's joint pain plus or minus swelling. So remember, there were the same number, um, 1,100 plus in each group. And in the control group, so the ones that hadn't been discharged from hospital, 89 people reported this new onset um, of symptoms. In the COVID-19 group, 300 um, reported these new symptoms. So pretty much a quarter of all patients versus about 8% of all patients. Now, from my point of view, what was really interesting is, and they report this in the study, is joint pain plus joint swelling was actually reasonably rare. So if we take the knee as one of their areas, for example, in the COVID-19 group, 11 people reported joint pain and joint swelling, whereas 166 reported joint pain only. So a significant amount of joint pain, but not very much swelling. Something else that was reported as well were what they called non-rheumatic symptoms, things like feeling tired, muscle weakness, myalgia, so muscle aching, and headaches, which is a really interesting phenomenon. And probably we're looking at something like long COVID in these patients. We're going to come back to this joint pain plus joint swelling phenomenon in a minute. But first, I just want to talk about the risk factors for having these joint pains, because it does lead on nicely to some of the points I want to talk about. So what they found was that the there was an increased likelihood of having these rheumatic symptoms in COVID-19 patients who had been discharged if they'd had a longer duration of stay, if they were of an older age, or they were women. Those three factors were strongly related to the likelihood of developing these rheumatic symptoms. Now, interestingly, as they mentioned in the conclusion that we read right at the start, they didn't find that disease severity, so the severity of the COVID-19 infection or the hospitalization, so did they need um, intensive care versus were they just on a respiratory ward and how much steroids they had didn't correlate with whether they were then going to go on to develop these rheumatic symptoms. One other thing that I just want to point out before we go on to talk about what I think is going on here is they excluded people who were either living in care homes, were immobile, had symptoms of dementia. Um, and this, I think, really might actually skew the data a little bit. Um, and we'll talk about why that might be in a minute. So what do we think is actually going on here? So I was really concerned previously, and I still remain concerned to a degree, that COVID-19 could be a trigger for rheumatology diagnoses. So rheumatoid arthritis, axial spondyloarthritis, um, reactive arthritis, those kinds of things. Now, we know that those diseases tend to occur in younger people. So axial spondyloarthritis, for example, we're looking at a peak onset age 20 to 40, rheumatoid arthritis with a peak onset of 30 to 60. So younger patients. The patients they found in this study who were more likely to get these rheumatic pains um, were 60 plus, 70 plus, And so don't quite fit those demographics as we were, as we just mentioned. Now, as I already talked about a little bit, the joint pains plus joint swelling, which we would associate with things that are inflammatory in nature, like rheumatoid arthritis, they just didn't find there was that much. So only 11 patients, for example, reported that in the knee out of 1100 plus. So not many people getting those inflammatory symptoms. In fact, I counted all, them all up from the table and all of the joint areas. So that's all 1100 plus patients adding all of their joint 
areas together only came out at 39. So we're not seeing a lot of swollen joints. But we are seeing a lot of painful joints. And I think this is really relevant when we look at the age group. So if we look at patients who are being admitted into hospital, they're likely obviously to have been unwell with COVID-19. Um, but older patients, they tend to lose muscle bulk, they tend to lose their function, and they're going to spend large periods of time inactive. So I wonder if what we're seeing in this study is an aggravation of osteoarthritis. So we're going to see these joint pains, commonly the knee, as we've mentioned. This was the most prevalent place in this study that patients reported new onset symptoms. We've got an older set of patients, and I wonder whether it was actually osteoarthritis as the main culprit here. And this brings me on to something that I said I would allude to later earlier in this video. They excluded patients who were in care homes, had dementia or signs of dementia, or who were immobile. And those are much more likely to be older patients. So I wonder whether actually this study is actually underrepresenting the amount of pain and rheumatic symptoms as they define it in these cohorts. And how many would go on to actually have more symptoms? How would we elevate the number of patients or the percentage of patients comparative to the control is quite possible. So I went looking for COVID-19 as a trigger for rheumatoid arthritis. I certainly haven't found that in this study. But what I have found is that in MSK practice, we are definitely going to be seeing patients with joint pains after COVID-19 infections, especially ones that are related to an admission. And we're going to look at that being more likely in patients that have stayed in hospital longer, they're older and also women. I mostly currently suspect, and maybe I will be proven wrong, um, that this is going to be an aggravation of something like osteoarthritis. But also what's clearly very common is these non-rheumatic symptoms of fatigue, myalgia, headaches, and muscle weakness. And those things are clearly going to impact on our ability to try and rehab these patients. So we certainly need to take that into account they're probably going to turn up in MSK clinics, FCP clinics, etc. And if it truly is an ex exacerbation of osteoarthritis um, that's causing these symptoms, then obviously MSK therapy has a big role to play in rehabbing those. So hopefully you found this really interesting. I will put the link to the paper below. It is open access, so you can download that read for yourself. Any questions, do put them in the comments below. And if you've got any other papers that are similar, then I would appreciate sending them my way. I really want to try and keep on top of this. And hopefully we can give a really good service to these patients. This is certainly an evolving picture. I really am not confident with what's going on at the moment. I don't think there's enough information. Studies like this are going to be really helpful. Don't forget to head to the website, rheumatology.physio, for loads of free blogs and learning and CBD and all sorts of courses. Um, do plenty on there. Check that out. There's newsletters, videos, you name it, find it all there. And we'll keep learning about all of this together.